Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. My broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr., the University of Miami, coming off an impressive, gutty, gritty victory against Virginia Tech 25-24. So, Coach, congratulations on that. And we have plenty of time to talk about Miami and Virginia Tech. But we have some other pressing matters to get to first. We're going to uh, have the program on pause for a little bit. And the schedule is going to change a little bit here over the next couple of weeks, uh, starting with this weekend's game against Georgia Tech. Yeah, we kind of knew that in uh, in 2020 we had to be ready for anything. Uh, we knew that going in, and and um, and here we are. Yeah, we're we're obviously not going to be able to play Georgia Tech this weekend. We just fell below the threshold of available players uh, for us to be able to play safely. Um, we'll be off the next couple of weeks, and and uh, and but that will give our our guys a chance to get healthy, to get well. We got to continue to battle the, the the virus. We've got to double down on our protections because. It's obvious that it's spread in our community is at as high of a level as it's been at any point this year. But if we do that, uh, we got a you know we got a little uh, run in December and uh, and all of our goals still to play for. Okay, so let's go through the schedule. We were supposed to play Georgia Tech this weekend. That game has been postponed. The Wake Forest game the following week has also been postponed. The season will resume on December the fifth against Wake Forest. Then the Hurricanes. We'll play at home on December 12th against North Carolina. And then, if needed, we'll play December 19th against Georgia Tech. You could be in the ACC championship game on the 19th, or you could play Georgia Tech on the 19th. Yeah, that all sounds great to me, right? I mean, you know, here we are in, in mid-November talking about playing for the ACC championship. I'll tell you what I just told the players. Um, the way I look at it is, you know, we got a chance to, to, to get well. And, we, and, again, like I mentioned, we have to be – you know, even more diligent against the virus, but um, we got a two-game season, and and if we win those two games, it won't be easy. If we win those two games, um, we're going to look at our records and see if we got a shot at, at at you know eight and one in the ACC to get into the ACC championship game. If for whatever reason eight and one doesn't get us in, then we got one more game to play, and and you know odds are if we win that game that you're looking at a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, so big time goals for our program, a chance to go. Um, you know, finish the year ten and one. You know, we, you know, win it, win a big time bowl. So, um, 
a lot, a lot to play for and, and worth keeping this team um, healthy and strong and together for. Manny, let's spend a few minutes on the health part of it. When, when I look back, you, you had three weeks ago, you had a set of numbers, and then two weeks ago, you had a set of numbers, and last week, your numbers kept creeping higher and higher. But one thing that I think needs to be shared with everyone is the number of reps that had to be played by your team in this last week. Uh, winning that football game was great, but I, you had Phillips playing 72 reps. You had Roche and at 75. Usman was, I think he was in the game for 80-plus reps, and this is a guy that didn't really practice much prior to that and just came in and did it. It's an amazing feat of what they did, but you talk about health and safety. This pause may, may encourage these guys to, to get a little more healthy. Yeah, we need it. You know, to your point, yeah, we had a lot of guys play a lot of snaps and some really uh, gutty heroic efforts in Blacksburg, but uh, but we knew we were on the brink uh, mm-hmm. this past week, and um, we have studied every data point that we have in terms of you know how this virus spreads inside of our program and and our medical people, not not you know not me or not our athletic people, but our medical people that they 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 have found no connection. I mean, it, it, which just shows that it's community spread. Um, it's coming in through the outside, um, and you know it, it is it is a warning that it is not a Miami problem or a college football problem. This is a problem that we still, obviously, all these months later of all the things that we've done, we've still not appropriately dealt with. So, um, so we we know what we can control. We know what we've got to do. And um, and to your point, getting our depth back and getting our numbers back and just getting our team back together again. You know, I just this team's got something special about it. I just want to see them all back together again. Uh, for this final stretch run. Coach, before before we go back to the Virginia Tech game, to wrap this up and the season on pause, we'll resume on December 5th. You mentioned talking to the team. When you talked to them and you looked at them in the eye, what, what did you see? How did they respond? And then maybe just as important, how do you think they're going to respond? Well, I, if if I can judge by what they've done this entire year, I think they'll respond well. You know, I, again, I think we've got great leadership. Um, we've got some guys that, that – you know, want to accomplish some big time goals here at the school. And uh, so it's hard to tell, you know, our meeting was on Zoom, you know, because obviously we didn't bring everyone into the building today. So you don't ever know, uh, you know, you can't see everybody really eye to eye on Zoom like you want to. But, um, but, you know, we'll slowly build it back. You know, we'll start with, you know, distant, socially distant workouts and then we'll get back into practice and get back into that game week flow and, uh, and, uh, and get ourselves ready to go again. And I want you to share with everyone how, hard it has been and how big of a challenge it has been to, to, to win a football game, but also to try and win against the virus. The, these guys are spending every waking moment, just as the staff is in this entire athletic department university, about how to keep things as normal as possible. But at the end of the day, there's adults leading kids. And I think these adults, you include, of course, are doing a fantastic job. But these kids or just the way they're buying in is, is a special thing as I've ever seen. Well, and, and I, look, and I'm so proud of them because they've fought the good fight for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if they didn't do right in, in, in June and July, we may not even have had a season. Correct. So um, so I don't fault them. Look, I'm sick of it. You're sick of it. Everyone's sick of coronavirus. I get it. Um, but it, it is, it's, it's a little bit like sports. You don't get last week's win doesn't guarantee you this week's win. Right. And you can do all the right things for 20 days in a row, and if you don't do something right on the 21st day, the virus is still there. You know, you don't get to save up. You don't get momentum from having 20 good days in a row. So, um, 
and that's where we're at, and that's where we're at as a country, and and so we're we're here we, where we are. It's it's the rules of engagement, but that's you know to our league's credit, they were able to act quickly, and and like we've seen around college football, we're not immune to this ourselves. Um, schedules get moved around, uh, games get moved around, and and we built the season to have that type of flexibility, um, so we can still compete and, and you know and play all the games we need to play. Okay, so we have a, we have a three game season remaining, and uh, one way or the other. Going to get to uh, three games here that we see coming up. So we see what the path is for the University of Miami. The reason you have a clear path is because you won another game. Uh, Virginia Tech, four games in a row, and uh, that was a hard game to win, but your team found a way to win again in the fourth quarter. They really did. You know, we, we've won four close games, but they've all been a little bit different in, in personality, and, and um, this one was certainly different than a week ago in, in Raleigh because, you know, we didn't play very well in offense. And... Um, Virginia Tech uh, came out with all guns blazing, which we kind of knew they would. This was they had gotten the one-time speech after their really you know tough loss to Liberty the week before, um, and they played about as well as they can play on defense. I have to give them the credit. They they played very hard. They tackled very well. They did a lot of things better than than they had done on film, but we just didn't feel like we were our competitive best. You know, we we felt like we were missing blocks, missing runs, not hitting holes, missing throws, and that we could be better. So sometimes in some of those games, you just got to hang in there and you just got to keep grinding. You got to keep grinding. And um, and it was a weird game because in the third quarter, we felt like we were really not in it, but it was still a one possession game. You know, you're down by eight and sometimes it felt like you're down by 80. And we, I kept I kept going down the sideline saying, I'm not really good at math, but it is a one score game, right? And the kids are like, yeah, I'm like, well, let's go get a score. I mean, we're that close. And 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 to our offense's credit, like they, the way they've been all year, they, they, they don't get down on themselves. And they found a way to solve the problem, right? Good teams understand you got to solve the problem of how to win a game and got to score. And then the defense really came through with some big stops, um, a big field goal hold in the second half, and and then five stops to end the game. And the offense was able to make make the drive, make a play, and then and then the D went out there and, and let it stand. Man, I don't want to go another second without talking about Lou Hendley and and and, and what he did. Let's just take the last his last two kicks. I mean, he kicks at what a 52 yarder, and then. And, and then he lands one, I guess, down at the three for Virginia Tech to have to drive. And what an accomplishment and uh, of of what he's what he's done since he's been here. Wins games, yeah, absolutely wins games. You know, I mean, it, it was fun. You know, when Lou first got here, and hey, look at the Australian and the tattoos. The guy's a game winner for us. Yeah. You know, Jose Borregales is a game winner for us, and and it doesn't have to be. You know, it just shows you. You know, for special teams, it doesn't always have to be the one second left kick you know, that everybody remembers, you know, the field goals that Jose made during the game um, were huge. And the punts that Lou made, you know, field position constantly, you know, two down inside the 10-yard line, averaging, I think we were 49.5 net punt. It's 50 yards on a change of field position, you know. And uh, just, you know, it's great to see those guys. They're, they're, they're such great guys. They work so hard at their craft. But it's so great to see them and our players believe that they have such a big influence on us winning the game. Your defense, uh, Coach, you go into this game, I think it's important to note, Virginia Tech was averaging 277 yards a game on the ground. They had two games of 300 yards, five games of 250 yards, and averaged 37 points a game. And you held them below all of that, 160 on the ground and 24 points. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, that if, if you have all those numbers that you mentioned, that means somebody's blocking, yeah. right? And Virginia Tech had as an accomplishment offensive line as, as we would play in the ACC. So it was a big challenge for our defensive front. And I thought the way that, 
you know, certainly Jalen Phillips, but John Ford, Nessa Silvera, the linebackers behind him, Bradley Jennings at middle linebacker, they were going to have to play well for us to really slow them down. And, and they really did. You know, obviously we, 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 we had a poor technique on the, um, the long touchdown run by the quarterback. Um, but other than that, I thought we really did a nice job. And then, and then we're able to get after the quarterback in the passing game. And um, those, those were just key plays. And just Miami defense, you know, again, multiple TFLs and sacks. It, it looked more like what, the way we want our defense to look. Mandy, the reputation this team is gaining is a fourth quarter football team. And, and I think, is, at least from my perspective, that's about as ultimate a compliment as you can give a football team because, first of all, it means you're conditioned. Second, it means you're w w ready to withstand anything there is for three quarters. And it also shows that you are unwilling to quit. You know, everybody tries to walk around with four fingers in the air and, and pretend to be a fourth quarter team. This team is proving it. That's, that's exactly right. You know, um, refuse to lose is kind of what this team's got into it. And uh, we talk it. We believe it. We talked about that in our team meeting on Friday, you know, as we're kind of looking at our pathway to victory. Um, and, you know, the, our thought process is like, hey, get the game in the fourth quarter. We know we're going to win. And uh, and that's exactly what we did. And we remind them when we got to the four fingers, put them up and say, hey, this is where we want to be, right? We're right here. It's fourth quarter. And, and, and but to your point earlier, Don, the amount of snaps that some of our guys had to play um, and still be able to contribute with, with relentless effort in the fourth quarter, that is – that shows you that we are in great condition, and David Feely and his staff have done a great job with our guys. There are so many talking points on this game. Some will carry over into the next segment, but as we wrap this one up, the game-winning drive for you starts inside, I think, the five-yard line. Another long drive, yeah. and uh, a freshman, Don Chaney, runs really hard, and then, of course, you get another great pass, another, another superhuman pass <laughs> from De'Ara King to Mark Pope right down the middle of the field. You know, you mentioned it, though. You mentioned the runs. And uh, and obviously, we didn't run the ball as well as we wanted to. Didn't play as well up front as we wanted to. Didn't play as well anywhere on offense as, as we wanted to, not just up front. But, you know, there's there's something to be said about, you know, it's fun to see the big knockout shot. And our offense has had a lot of big knockout punches uh, throughout the year. But um, this is one of those games where sometimes you just got to keep punching the guy, you know, body blow, body blow, body, body blow. And some of those run, runs by Don on that last drive, and all that started happening is, again, they just started creeping closer and closer to the line of scrimmage, and that's why Derek was able to make that great throw to Pope on an RPO because they got every guy they got, you know, basically, you know, right there in the line of scrimmage, which means if you can pop it over their head, they're all out of people, and that's exactly what happened. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and talk more with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz right after this. Well, I'll tell you one thing. That last drive that the University of Miami put together, it was the perfect drive for the Hurricanes. And if you are looking for the perfect ride, may I suggest Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. And just like the Hurricanes putting together the perfect drive, you too can find the perfect ride and drive at Williamson Cadillac. Check out everything they have to offer at Williamson Cadillac. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out. I'm driving the XT4, so I can uh, vouch for the XT4. It's smooth, it's roomy, very comfortable, and very, very safe. Or you can excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series dedicated to performance. Or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit the state-of-the-art facility. It is conveniently located at US-1 and 
104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. The Manny Diaz Show, Joe Zagacki, University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz, and my broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr. In case you missed it, the University of Miami will be on pause now for a couple of weeks. We'll resume the season against Wake Forest on December the 5th. We'll play North Carolina on December the 12th, and then we'll play on December the 19th, either against Georgia Tech or in the ACC championship game. So we'll see how that plays out. Canes will play December 5th against an explosive Wake Forest team. By, by the way, I want to talk more about your defense. I'll tie Wake Forest into this, Coach. Wake Forest and Carolina the other day, I don't know if you saw these stats. The quarterbacks combined for 60 for 90 for over 900 yards and 10 touchdowns. We are now officially basketball. Football is basketball and grass. It really is, uh, and, and you see it you know, more and more. I think that you know, if you look at some of the scores in the Southeastern Conference, um, this past weekend, it's just it's it's difficult. It's more difficult now than ever to to play defense, um, but it can still be done, you know. And and you, you can still try to limit ex- explosive plays. I think that's the that's the one that really gets going. And and you could see, you know, we missed explosive plays, and that's why we scored in the twenties uh, this past game, and uh, and that's why you got to be a great tackling team, you know. And so that's th- those those are things we always pride ourselves here at Miami because it is getting harder and harder uh, to play good defense. Manny, give us a historic perspective. You started when it was still maybe four yards in a cloud of dust. It might have not been three yards in a cloud of dust. But, but what, is, what has caused this game to evolve? 112 points in that Wake Forest and North, Carol- uh, Wake Forest and North Carolina game and hundreds of, hundreds of yards and points and touchdowns. Well, you know, there's always a back and forth between the offense and the defense, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, you think about, and, and I'll, I'll even throw Miami, for example, you think about when, when Coach Erickson did here, and he was really ahead of the game with the spread offense, right? right. And was spreading the ball out and throwing it. And then they go play Alabama in the in the national championship game, and Alabama, you know, plays bumper run man coverage, loads up the box to, to outnumber the run game, one safety deep. And so then everybody kind of, you know, cover one became, you know, what everybody wanted to get to, and that was really good. And then all of a sudden, Somebody, you know, mistakenly a quarterback one time on a handoff pulled the ball by accident, took off running, and realized no one had him, and the zone read was born. So suddenly it was hard to play, you know, straight man coverage because the quarterback was a runner. He'd have some of the quarterbacks. You start to see a little more zone coming to the game. And then one time somebody, instead of handing the ball off on a run, threw it downfield on a slant pass, and all of a sudden the RPO was born. And then it was really hard to play zone coverage because now the RPO is wide open. You got guys that run past conflict, so now you got to kind of hop back into man coverage. And if you hop back into man coverage and you don't have a man that can cover their man, you're in big trouble. And that's why if you really look around, the NFL is the same way. It is more than ever a wide receiver sport now. And if you've got that wide receiver and you see our team this year with the development of Wiggins, Pope, and Harley, if you've got a wide receiver that's hard to cover in one-on-one man coverage, offensively you can just create endless problems for the defense because you either got to you know choose a slow death by playing zone where everything could be open um, or you're going to be outnumbered in the run game and you're going to get you know beat up versus the run. So um, that's kind of the back and forth. 
that actually involves a little bit of buying me in that in that story. And uh, and right now, it's definitely tilted towards the offense. Uh, I want to enter this into the conversation because I thought this was a, a really great call by you and your staff. It maybe went under the radar, but I thought it triggered uh, the five straight stops. It was late third quarter. Hokies are on the short field after scoring a touchdown. They're going to get a field goal, but the reason they get the field goal is you send Gilbert Frierson on a blitz. I thought at that point of the game, maybe your team lost a little energy, whatever it was. But I thought that play all of a sudden gave everybody a bit of a shot. You're, you're right on the money. We, you know, we were on the ropes a little bit there. I don't think there's any doubt Virginia Tech had all the, all, had all the momentum. They, they, um, we had punted on a short field. I think they had their best punt return of the day, and they just got a couple first downs, and they had a first down around our 15-yard line. And Actually, even before that, I, I got to say, Blake Baker made a great call. They went to a two-tight end offense with one back, and Blake went to our goal line defense, which we had practiced against all their red zone stuff. Bradley Jennings makes a great hit on first and 10 for no gain. They, they predictably throw it on second down against our man coverage, but Gervin Hall had great coverage. We kind of knew the route that we'd expect to see there. That got him to the third down and 10. And, uh, and you mentioned, you know, you know, Blake called a great blitz. They kind of had a little bit of a, a QB draw pass RPO concept dialed up. And um, it was ultimately just too many, too many rushers for the, for the amount of blockers that they had. And, and Farris made a big-time play getting him on the ground. Manny, I will say that John Ford had his most productive day. You can tell us if he had his best day as a hurricane, but I think he had six tackles. That's that's half a year's total almost off of what he did last year, or a third of a year's total off of what he did last year. Played with great energy, and it just looked like it clicked for him. It really did. He, he, he was outstanding. We actually had him for, I think, 10 or 11 uh, when we graded the film, when you add up some of the assists that probably go unnoticed, uh, whoever grades in the press box. So, yeah, John was active. He was physical. He was creating knockback. Um, really, really playing at a high level. And again, and a guy that had to take a ton of snaps, you know, because we lost a lot of our backups at D-Tackle. The guy that really, again, put the put together a heck of a game for you was a cornerback to Corey Couch. Yeah, to Corey's doing it week after week. Um, you know, he's fearless. Uh, the only problem we have with to Corey is we don't have enough of him, you know, because you'd love to have him in about three places at once on every play because he's, he's so good in coverage down the field, made the big-time interception, but he's really turned into a knack of, 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 of blitzing and he's you know he's not the biggest guy in the role he kind of sneaks in there and you know you know and and uh, but when, when he when he gets in there he finds a way to get to to get to the quarterback and uh, and it's always been in critical situations and let's take him for a minute here's a guy who uh, for all intents and purposes might be a little bit undersized he's a guy who's uh, maybe doesn't f- check every single box but at some point you really have to analyze when you're recruiting he's a football player yeah. and to Corey Couch is a football player yeah, we, we always uh, trust the opinions of the coaches um, down here, the, the high school coaches. It could be the 7-on-7 coaches. And to Corey, there have been other guys like to Corey, you know, is one that everybody's like, hey, this is the dog. This guy plays with a chip on his shoulder. Highly, highly competitive. And, and there's a lot of traits that you can find out about players and people like to talk about through the recruiting process. But highly, highly competitive dudes always find a way to work out in college. That's right. Speed, size, strength. All those other talent things. If you don't have that that highly competitive spirit about you, those guys are the ones that you know they either go up and down in college. I mean, they have different different types of careers. You know, highly competitive dudes always find a way to, to, to get it roll on the on the team. Well, since we're on that subject, let me throw this guy at you, uh, and not so much for his running. I mean, he's gonna be a great running back for you, and has run the ball hard. But the last two weeks in pass protection, Jalen Knighton has laid out a couple of rushers. And I think he's really enjoying it. Yeah, 
he, he, Jalen has done a really nice job. I mean, really, Jalen and Don, both for being young guys, take a lot of pride in their pass protection. But uh, but it, it, it's nice to see because that's sometimes what you're worried about. You know, oh, gosh, you know, there's a freshman back and a defensive coach and say, hey, let's go blitz the freshman, see if he wants to pass protect. So when you put that on film, that, that, that speaks, and sometimes you'll see less of it because they know you're ready for it. Coach Jalen Phillips, I don't. Nobody obviously knows uh, except for people who've been to practice. But you watch him in a game, and he's relentless every single play. If it's away from him, if it's at him, assignment football at 110 miles an hour. But he does it every day, every play, all the time on Green Tree. Yeah, and you know we didn't really know what to expect with Jalen, and you know he practiced a little bit in, in in March. You know, four days we got shut down, and and in August, I mean, it was just. Okay, well, I was like, wow, that was a great day one. And then day two and day three, and you realize that, to your point, the guy was doing it every day and just chasing the ball down the field. It, you know, it's so easy to see the the flash play, the great sack, the great move on the offensive tackle. It's the effort plays coming out of the stack. I mean, even the last play of the game when they're lateraling the ball right. all around the field and he's sprinting. He was a left end and sprints all the way across the field um, and ends up on the hit on the quarterback. And, and, and that that's... That's something special. And that and what you love about that is like, okay, he's obviously talented. He's obviously gifted. Um, but effort is a choice. And so, you know, if I'm a young guy or if I'm a guy, you know, even in high school watching him, I say, okay, if I want to model my game after that guy because that guy plays so hard, um, what, you know, that, that's what I want to be. Uh, let me bring this topic to you because recruiting, uh, the early signing period, I believe, is coming up here uh, soon. And uh, Coach Johnson, former coach for coach of the University of Miami, is a big fan of yours. And one of the things that he did so well, I think, when he was at the University of Miami, was he was able to bring a team together while allowing individuals their own identity. And I think he has said that about you, that you're bringing a team together, but the players know that they can play to their identity. Um, is that something that you're able to communicate to your players, which I think is obvious, but also it has to help as we get into the recruiting cycle here. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think, I think you have to be like-minded, you know, and, and number one, you have to be for the team. And, and it, it's obvious that we have a better team in that regard this year than we did a year ago, right? We have more like-minded people. But what I would say, and, and I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't even, you know, to be considered with one of Coach Johnson's teams would be such an honor, but... To me, what you really want is you want a bunch of like-minded guys. And then if you're for the team and your goals, you put the team's goals first, then within that, you can allow your individual personality to shine. right? And I, and I think that's what Miami always had. Miami was, always had great individual personalities, but they were always for the team first. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to see, um, you know, Michael Irvin score the touchdown and, you know, and throw the hands up and say, well, yeah, but, but he was for the team first. You know, and then after the touchdown, that's when the individual personality came out. And so... Um, I think some people think that the two always have to be in conflict. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, I get the, the feeling of this team about the investment that they've made. And, and I think that's what makes it so very, very hard to lose. You, you've obviously talked to us every single week about how committed they are. They've worked extremely hard in the weight room. And you, you can find the commitment with, the, with that much effort. It's kind of hard to not ha be successful. And I think that's what you've been trying to to explain to these young men, and they seem to have really bought into it. Well, that commitment sometimes makes it harder to quit. That's right. You know, when you've invested a lot, and our guys have invested a lot, and, and you know, sometimes that's what you think about when you're down by eight and Virginia Tech's got first and, and ten at your 15-yard line. You say, you know what? No, nah, I worked too hard for this. Um, not today. And, um, 
and I think that's part of what you know what what we're trying to build here. You know, and I think when people throw around words like culture and you know and winning attitude and learning how to win and those type things, that that's where it happens. It it happens with your work ethic, and that you know sometimes you just work too dang hard um, to let the other guy beat you. And um, and we've seen some of that this year. And by the way, before before we let you go, uh, back to the recruiting thing with a, a signing coming up not in too distant future. You have put together the beginning of what looks like it's going to be a really great class. And certainly you have given them something to be excited about. So it looks like it's mutual here right now. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm proud of those guys because those guys really still chose Miami before we got into the season, the majority of them. Um, you know, with you know what the, with the promise of what our new offense would look like. And I remember that, you know, recruiting when we got here in 2016 of the promise of what our new defense would look like. So the ability, the, what we've been able to put on film, and show the reality of what Miami can be, you know, with with the with the, the you know what we're doing schematically with the players we have. Uh, we got a great freshman class already on campus, and that's you know, look, college football is not complicated. You just get great recruiting classes, you stack them on top of each other, um, put them in a great scheme and a great system and a great strength program to develop them, and and off you go. And so that's um, you know that that's what we feel like is going on here. Okay, well, we're going to be a little bit of a pause here. We're going to resume play in early December against Wake Forest. Congratulations on the win against Virginia Tech. Team will uh, get healthy, and we're going to hopefully uh, finish this thing out strong. Thank you. Yeah, can't wait to get this team out there again. And, and again, to be 6-1 and one in the ACC is a great accomplishment for our guys. It's not been done a lot around here, but, uh, but, but we're not done yet. Okay, Coach, thank you very much. Thank you. That's University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. We'll continue on the show right after this. to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hurricanes basketball team has been able to reschedule the Stetson basketball game that was originally set for Wednesday, November 25th, will now be played on Friday, December the 4th, prior to Miami getting back in action in football against Wake Forest. I'm still thrilled about the win against Virginia Tech. How about you? You know what, Joe? They can say whatever they want. They can frame it however they want. Miami went to Blacksburg and won. They won, period. That win stays on the record books for as long as there are record books. And I think that that's the big part about it that people have to understand. In today's world, when things change day to day in a sport where you don't want to do anything different, you're searching for routine and there, it's nothing, uh, there is no routine. Miami goes up there and wins it, and I, I couldn't be prouder of them. Hurricanes route scoring their opponents 59-31 in the fourth quarter. So if we do the zigzag thing, right, where we zig and everybody else zags, isn't the zig, oh, halftime adjustments, adjustments during the game, they're outscoring their opponents 59-31 in the fourth quarter. That goes hand-in-hand hand with both offense and defensive adjustments. Hey, well, I will tell you, that, that that's a very good point because forever in a day you hear, Oh, they can't make a halftime adjustment, right, yeah. or right? I mean, isn't that isn't that the first thing that happens yes. when you lose a football? Yeah. Oh, well, those guys should be able to go in and adjust. Well, they are adjusting, but you and I talked to Coach Diaz uh, earlier about this, and I, and I think the thing that needs to be stressed the most is 
if you're going to label this football team right now, you would label them as a fourth quarter football team. Since I started playing with the dinosaurs, right? That has always been something that everybody wants to be as a fourth quarter team. What? Why is that? It means you're in shape. It means you can finish. It means you can handle all kinds of adversity. It means that you are, are focused for the full six. Everything that you hear in this sport, if you're a fourth quarter team, that validates it. And that's what Miami is today. You brought up a really good point in the broadcast the other day. And we talked about it with Coach Diaz yesterday, and we looked at some video as well. And it was one of the adjustments, Miami, it was a subtle adjustment. It was adding extra defensive linemen. They, they were doing, they're doing it. They went a little old school. And it, it was really, I'm going to call it what I was raised on. And I don't know what they call it really today. There's always a funny name for it. But it was like a gap eight. There's, they put everybody in a gap, a defense alignment in a gap, and it makes, instead, instead of allowing a double team, it forces every individual on the offensive line to have to block somebody individually. And because of genetics, there's no way the guys on the offense single-handedly can block the guys on the defense. Defensively, the guys are just better athletes usually and better football players players and better across the board and that gives you a big advantage so they made that adjustment that was one big one which helped stifle the run and then we talked about a great play a great play call with a blitz with Gilbert Frierson I thought that was a very interesting call and I thought that gave them as I mentioned with coach Diaz a real shot in the arm was something we talked about during the broadcast but one of the the plays that we looked at yesterday with coach Diaz I think it was the Jalen Phillips sack and it was one of the sacks with Jalen Phillips, where it's a Corey Couch was also coming in and got knocked to the ground. If you watch the video closely, you see to Corey Couch on the ground on his hands and knees, crawling to the quarterback, and he grabs him around the ankle. He he's scrambling for a play, and you're you're gonna ask yourself. Some people say, "Well, how does this guy, the Chihuahua, that's his nickname? How does he get on the field? Because of that, you see a play." Intensity, again, it's at a time fall game where it matters, and he is giving his entire best to make that play happen. And, and you know, you talk about another term, playmakers. Well, I think really if you look at to Corey Couch the last two weeks, I say you got a playmaker, don't you? I mean, I, I see a oh, guy yeah, making no plays, yeah. and, and that's what we're searching for. It used to be, you know, since Michael Irvin's day, the playmaker. Well, this kid is a playmaker, and he and he's makes plays all the time. And I was hoping that Coach Diaz uh, showed his interception because I watched that thing 15 times. And what he has the guy coming off at man coverage, the safety comes over through his per, peripheral vision. He sees the safety, so he, he sees a safety coming over, so it allows him to go make a play on the ball. He actually vacated his coverage to go play the football. At a time when that, that that's instinctive. You you talk about it, you can watch it on film, you can't teach it. And he did that, and that's what that's what saved the game. So uh, we call these guys in basketball terms stat sheet stuffers. And to Corey Couch, twenty tackles, three breakups, an interception, tackle for loss, one and a half sacks, 
Jalen Phillips, 37 tackles, 10 for losses, 5 sacks, an interception. Uh, Gilbert Frierson, 40 tackles, 9 for losses, 2 sacks. So these guys are making plays, stat sheet stuffers. They're playmakers. That's what we're seeing across the Miami defense. And I just would say this. Um, people, the, the benchmark is always what team? Alabama, Joe. Alabama. Very simple, right? Yeah, or right. even, let's take it a step further, Nick Saban, wherever he's yeah, at. Nick Saban. <laughs> so here's the difference between Miami and Alabama, okay? University of Miami is allowing – 389.9 yards a game. Alabama is averaging, allowing 389.2 yards per game. <laughs> okay. Miami is allowing 24 points per game. Alabama is allowing 22 points per game. So I'm not saying that Miami is Alabama. What I'm saying is uh, – you're not shutting anybody out. The teams that are in the top ten in defense have played like three games, two games. You're not shutting teams out, especially this year, where the team that leads the country in offense, UCF, is averaging nearly 700 yards a game of offense. What you're doing is what Miami did the other day is what you have to do in defense today. They got five consecutive stops. Again, in basketball, those are called kills. If you get three straight stops without a basket, it's called a kill. If you get five kills in a game, you're probably the, the percentage says you win like 85% of the time. So Miami got five straight stops. They won the game. Joe, if you phrase it differently, if you just ask the question randomly, where do you think Alabama is ranked in defense? Or where do you think Clemson's ranked on defense? How many yards do you think they're giving up a game? Or how many points do you think they're giving up a game? What ranking are they nationally? I bet everybody in the everybody says they're in the top five. Correct. I, I mean, I don't have I don't know they're the not. number, but these guys got to be. I guarantee you, they're somewhere between uh, thirty-five and forty-five. Uh, that's correct. We're Miami's top fifty. I think they're forty-seven. I think Alabama's forty-five. Okay, so defense. Alabama is got the 45th ranked defense in the United States of America. Nick Saban, with every Billy Blue Chip in a, in the country on his defense, and he's at 45. You're right. Yeah, I feel like I'm doing a ta- the uh, post game show for the. You know, the 1987 Miami Hurricanes with Jim Manage in 1988 where it was nothing but a bitch fest. This team's 7-1 and one and uh, playing to their maximum, uh, maximum ability. If they were underachieving, we'd have a problem. But they're not underachieving. No, They're competing. I, they're competing I, at a very high level. They're 49th in defense. Well, Alabama's 48th. So let's take the word achieving, okay? I would say in some respects they're overachieving. And other respects, they are at their maximum. So let's take, let's take Jalen Phillips as a guy that you talked about that is ACC Player of the Week, that was um, got the, the best roofing player of the game, and has come, come to Miami. And I would say that he is every single solitary snap that I've seen him in a game and at practice, he is at his 100% maximum. You can't ask for more than that. 
You cannot ask no. for any more than that. And then, so he's the obvious. You go to um, Treor Usman, okay? This is a guy that, other than probably you and I and his parents and anybody in that building, don't even know who he is. He started the first game for the University of Miami at left guard game one. He has not started since. He was out. He was on the list uh, for the last two weeks. He's not played football until probably Thursday before that football game. And he gave you 88 snaps in that football game. 88 snaps in that football game. Mm. To put that in perspective, up until the last, let's just say 10 years, 60 snaps, 65 snaps was the offensive number. So really, he gave you five quarters of football. And you don't even know his name, and he didn't play or practice for almost two weeks. You tell me what kind of mindset he has. You tell me how much he cares. You tell me how much work he has put in and how important this is to him. I don't know where he's going to end up in his career as far as a professional football player, but I know this. The first thing I'd put on my resume if I was him is I was out for two weeks and came back and went 88 plays and did not take a break. And by the way, there's a guy that's six foot six, 300 and whatever number you want to put on him <laughs> on, the, on, on, the, on the bench. He wouldn't let him off the bench, Navon Donaldson. This guy did so well that he didn't let Navon Donaldson participate. Now, I don't know where he is in conditioning, and I'm not so sure he was ready to, but it makes the story even better. But to see what these guys have done with uh, Phillips, 72 snaps, Roche, 75 snaps. You got a guy like Jonathan Ford in this ballgame. Gives you, you, you get sat down a couple weeks ago, a redshirt freshman takes your place. You get your first start. There's nobody behind you. You got to play the whole football game, and you have a career-high day of six tackles. And I just I, – I think this team will – you know, I hope we get to play, and I hope we win out, and I hope we get to go to a bowl game. Because if all that does happen, this team will go down, for me, and, and I'm sure for you, is one of the most special football teams in the history of this program. I think they're fun to be around. Let me put, you know I love baseball, so I'll give you a baseball perspective on this one. You could have a baseball pitcher with a really good earn run average, but when he gets into trouble, he can't get out of a jam. He can't strike somebody out. Therefore, his record is 500. You could have a pitcher whose earn run average is a little bit higher, but when he gets into a jam, he bears down, he gets a double play, and he leads his team to a win. He wins 19 or 20 games. So you got a guy that might have a higher earn run average, but he finds a way to win. In this case, Miami's defense might be ranked a little bit lower, but it's really a hodgepodge. It's really the difference between where Miami is and other teams is negligible. Now, you want to be in the top 10? Okay, Pittsburgh is the, is the best defense in the ACC. Correct. They're number nine in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's their record? They've what they lose. They lost four games in a row. Yeah. So which one do you want to be? Which I identity? Win football games. I want to win. Which identity do you want to be? So, uh, and then I would go back to as we go into this break. I would advise anybody that loves football, 
uh, I guess this will be out. Uh, I hope it'll be out maybe tomorrow or the next day. It'll be on University of Miami's social media sites. The breakdown segment on the Manny Diaz television show. It's a segment that you do with him. And again, I'm referring to the Takori Couch crawling his way to the quarterback to get him around the ankle. If you can't appreciate that level of, of competing and desire, then I don't have an answer. And Eric Spolstra, who are a beloved heat coach, always talks about competition, competition. you got to love competition. Well, I think that Jalen Phillips and Takori Couch, and you just mentioned Usman Treor and a bunch of other guys, they seem, this team seems to really like the competition. And again, I will just refer people to Coach Diaz's television show, the breakdown segment, and watch Takori Couch's effort to get to the quarterback. And, and, and he's gnawing. He's clawing, he's scrapping, <laughs> what, he's what, biting, he's doing but, whatever but, word you want to use. He's getting there. But but do you know what we're talking about though? He, he, really? you know, he, look, he looks like one of those Marines that's going underneath all the bob wire, right. <laughs> swimming. You know, he's underneath the bob wire. He's trying yeah. to get across the the mud road and right the the muddy uh, the mud pile, and oh, he's got yeah. bob wire on top of him, and he's crawling underneath it. You know, but but. But think about this conversation for a minute. Really, what we're talking about is old old time University of Miami football teams. Not all the not 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 just the national championship teams, not just those. But this is how Miami played football. They went in and went out. Forget. I'd rather talk about pretend there was no championships. This is how you crawl back into this deal when you can go on the road. And you can beat an NC State team, who, by the way, still has the best offensive line that I've seen to date that Miami has played. And you go to Virginia Tech, and, and for a quarter of a century, you and I have been going there. And it's as tough a joint to win a football game. You go in and you're down by, what was it, 11 points uh, in the third quarter. And you come back and you win. And they had a hot quarterback and a hot hand. This is what... Is a, this is a foundational year for Miami. I don't know what it's going to end up, but we're going to go back to this season, and you're going to see these kids, the Takori Couches, and you're going to see these young men that are, that are participating, and they're all going to remember this season like none other. Now I, now I get there are no fans or very few fans there uh, in Blacksburg, which makes a big difference, but – one of the longest winning streaks in the history of college football owned by the University of Miami ended where? It ended in Blacksburg, Virginia, on a night where Virginia Tech had about 125 total yards but turned Miami over about six times and returned, I think, an interception for a touchdown and blocked a punt. And we walked out of there with a 31-7 to beating and said, Whoop how did that just happen? Yeah, well, it happened because of the type of player they have. It happened because – of the approach that Frank Beamer had to the entire game of football happened because of their defensive coordinator and it and it happened because Miami thought they could just go in there and be Miami. This Miami doesn't know about the old Miami. You know what this Miami knows? 13 and 13 the last 2 years. Yeah. That's what this Miami knows. 13 and 13 the last 2 years. This Miami knows they got shut out in a bowl game against La Tech. This Miami knows they got beat by FIU. This Miami knows they got beat by Duke. This Miami knows they got beat by Georgia Tech. And they got beat by North Carolina. And they got beat by Florida. That's what a lot of these young men know. And what they decided to do 
was to make a change and buy in to what Coach Diaz is telling them works. And now the investment and the dedication is reaping the truth. And the truth is this is a better football team. Okay, when we come back in the next hour, Blake James was on with Joe Rose and Zach Krantz this morning. So we're here, uh, we're gonna, we are going to replay the comments of Blake James. Wes Durham from the ACC Network will join us and help us sort out what the tiebreakers might be because I tried to figure it out today. As we <laughs> stand right now, Notre Dame is 7-0, and Clemson is 6-1, and Miami is 6-1. and Each have three games to go. Notre Dame has Carolina, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. Clemson has Florida State, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. Miami has Wake Forest, North Carolina, and we think Georgia Tech. I'm not sure how Miami gets to the championship game by winning just the remaining two games, but maybe Wes will have that answer. We will uh, hear from Blake James when we come back on the Hurricane Hotline. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 